This is the Radio Check Podcast, life in the concert touring industry. Hi, brother Chris. How's it going, dude? I'm good, Matt. How are you today? I am doing splendid, thank you. A little splendid. tired. Yeah, splendid. A little tired. It was a long day. Lots of things going on, but uh, a, here we that's are. A, that's an underused uh, word, splendid. Splendid? I think, we should, I think well, we should launch splendid into the world. Since we just said it about six times in the first you know, 30 seconds of this podcast, I would say that our quota has been met. Yeah. But, hey, so, uh, so it's, it's, it's spring break right now. Have you seen the, the craziness oh. going on in Miami? I've heard. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I try to avoid kind of like the whole like clickbait in watching the news. It's I know that it's a clusterfuck and a bunch of it's a mess. Um, and but what about in uh, isn't New Orleans or isn't you know some, doesn't the uh, Louisiana coastline have some spring break kind of flavor to it as well? Is there anything going down there on there? Yeah, not that I see it, but you know, you know, when CNN shows that map of of who's naughty and who's nice with yeah. COVID. <laughs> We're like, we're yellow. We're kind of, we're, we're considered steady. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, I think the, we're only getting a few hundred new cases a day. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's pretty, it's pretty handled here. I think for the most part. That's good to hear. That's good. Yeah. So, well, uh, you know, we talking before, you know, looking to kind of get down and uh, visit you in May. So hopefully I'll be vaccinated by then and, you know, and everybody will be cool. So but, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, anyway, um, I think that we should kind of step into uh, talking about who we got going on here, because I think this individual might be able to give us a little bit of West Coast flavor of what's happening in the era of COVID, because I think we've been talking to some East Coasters and some UK people. So this is going to be good. I'm, I'm excited to, to get to know this person a little bit better. So who do we got, man? Uh, we've got a very good friend of mine. You know, I think it's 20 years now. I think I've known her. I was, I was thinking about it. We're coming up on 20 years. Coming all the way from the Las Vegas Strip, my friend, Marguerite Wynn. Hello, hello, Mags, how are you? Hello, hi guys. I'm good, thanks. You're good, yeah. So you, you know, I, I, I've known you as a, well, I met you on the East Coast. I remember, I remember vividly when I met you, uh, but you've been a California uh, person most of your adult life and now you're in Vegas. Yes. How, 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 how do you like it there? Um, I love it. God, it's such a different pace. Um, I mean, I'm not crazy about being dependent on Aircon, but um, I don't miss Southern California prices. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's great. I live at the base of a mountain. It's a giant mountain outside my window right now. And um, <clears throat> it's good. I think it was a good change. I'd been in LA for 20 years and I loved it. I loved everything about it. The food, the people, the vibe, but um, new chapter new times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you lived all over LA. I remember you lived in yes. Malibu and, you know, everywhere. I did. I was very fortunate to have a different, to explore different parts of the city. Um, but probably my favorite is uh, my little trailer in Paradise Cove in Malibu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Well, you know, going back to, you know, like I said, how long we've known each other, we met, and I'm thinking it was 2001, um, Matt Miley 
was on tour with me. And he said, oh, there's a friend of mine here. You've, you've got to meet her. And uh, was the Patriot Center in Fairfax, Virginia, I'm thinking. Very good. <laughs> you, were, you were still living in Richmond, Virginia at the time. I was. came up to visit. And I, I remember we, we spent about five minutes together, but I, but I do remember that. I do remember yes. that. Yes. Uh, Matt Miley is one of my mentors. And I have to say, I would not be where I am today without that guy. I'm super thankful for him. But he is also... Um, an RVA local um, and he was touring and it's funny I didn't really know him from Richmond but then we befriended each other and then um, he he gave me my first job and um, he actually called the bar that I hung out at Area 15, I'm sorry, Area 15 is an art place here, but Area 51 in Richmond that my friend John Yamashita owned. And he left a message for me. So I like went into the bar one day and John was like, hey, Matt Miley called here looking for you. And I was like, oh my God, when? And he was like, two weeks ago. And I was like, shit. So (laughs) I called him and I swore he had my number, but I guess he didn't. And he was like, do you want to be my assistant for the summer? And I was like, hell yes. So, um, and what was that on? What what was the project? I was the Indigo girls. Oh, that's right. I remember those stories. Yeah. In 2001. And so, um, it was awesome. I was out there with, um, Jimmy Petnato. He was my first production manager. Matt was a tour manager. Um, Jimmy's wife, Michelle was doing front of house. It was, wow. Um, Is that where they met Jimmy and Jimmy and his wife? Uh, they were already together on that tour. Okay. So to my knowledge, yeah. I think so. I think they obviously met before then, but, um, but yeah, it was great. But yes, Matt was on tour with you. Um, he was with Everclear and uh, opening for Matchbox 20. Is that correct? That, that sounds right. Yeah. And he said, um, you need to meet, this guy, Chris Kanzi, he's a big time production manager. And I was like, okay. And then I remember meeting you and everyone telling me, but he already has a girl, Kim Van Loon. So, so yeah. Yeah. Kim and I are, we we started in 1996 together. It's, gosh, that's 25 years. Is that right? 25 years? No. Yeah. 25 years. Wow. Wow. We've, We've not done everything together over the last 25 years, but the majority of it. It's, inc- it's incredible. I know you have these relationships with people you work with, but, you know, yeah. Kim and I, we, you know, you know, there are days we just sit in the office and we don't talk to each other because we know what each other are doing, you know, it's sort of so in tune with each other and stuff sure. just gets done magically. Um, yeah, she's, she's really good. Happy, she is very happy, good. Happy, happy, happy to have her on my team. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, now okay, so the first time we worked together was just a couple years after that. It was on Beck. Yes. You were doing. Were you, I think you were doing merch on Beck, right? I was doing merch. You know, I, I just obviously had the music bug, as we all do, and I never thought I could make a career out of it. So I took every job that came my way, and. I had the opportunity to do merch on Beck and the Flaming Lips, and I did it. (laughs) And to be quite honest, that was my favorite Beck album until recent. And um, 
and it was it was awesome. I, I loved every bit of it. And I don't care that I was slinging boxes in the back of a semi. <laughs> Yeah, but, but, you know, you know? I, I don't know if you remember how frustrated I got with the Flaming Lips on that tour. I mean, oh, man, did, did Wayne Coyne drive me absolutely insane with his, you know, I mean, let's just be honest. He's an attention whore, you know, and he was trying to upstage back because, you know, the, the Flaming Lips were the opening act, but they were also yes. Beck's band. Correct. And, and you know. And, you know, when it's Beck's turn to play, it, you know, it's Beck's show. Not, not still, yeah. the flaming lips are done. You're still on stage, but, you know, let's keep the antics down. And, you know, attention should go on, on the guy with the guitar in the middle, you know. Sure. But, yes. you know, I, 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 you know, I don't have to tell you how frustrating that, that was for me. Um, so, so, you know, and then a couple of years after that, we worked together on Motley Crue. But what were you doing I mean, you were with Matt with the Indigo Girls through 2001 and then 2003. What, what, what else were you doing in those early days? Um, I, I did a little bit of everything, which um, I think was super valuable to me and my learning process. But, um, but I started out as a production assistant. I did merch. Um, I mainly stayed in that realm. And then um, before I did Motley, I did some... VIP ticketing stuff, um, which led to present day meet and greets, you know, it was kind of, it was like, it, it was the start of that whole thing of having a VIP experience and getting a backstage tour and meeting the band and getting a photo and getting like a laminate, right. that kind of thing. So um, I was, gosh, in the early days of that, um, Shelly Lazar, God rest her soul. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I had the opportunity to do Motley, which for me was amazing because I grew up (laughs) with a Motley poster on my wall with a Nikki six poster (laughs) on my wall. So, um, I just remember like texting my childhood best friend and being like, I have Nikki Six's cell phone number in my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, funny. But it was cool. I loved it. It was a great yeah. tour. And then I actually left Motley you did. To, to tour manage my first band. Yeah, the and used, right? That is correct. Yeah, I, I do want to get into that. But go, going back to, to Motley, do you, did you have a copy of that the DVD that they released after? Of course I, I, I did. <laughs> I watched that within the last year. And of course, there's the behind the scenes accompanied disc that's in there and I, and I watched that and there's this whole thing with you backstage and doing the meet and greet and wandering around and you know doing your thing and and I know that tour was a long time and and, 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 and we were both on that tour together but I rarely came into your world back there I kind of didn't know what you did I think I came back once or, or twice to take a look but I mean, it's, it's a whole it's a whole different production you know when yes. people do VIP. Well, that's a good thing that you didn't know what I was doing because I tried to keep it separate from, from, from everybody. You know, I didn't want to yeah. bother anybody with the semantics of what I was doing. Um, and I guess what was really cool about that job as well is that I was done at six o'clock pretty much with my gig for the day, except for like some like paperwork and stuff. And, and this is what, I, <laughs> excuse me, what I encourage everyone else to do. I was like, how can I help? What can I do? You know, I didn't want to just go sit on the bus for the rest of the night. So I actually, as you know, 
volunteered my time to dress the dancers or get or help with the dancers on side stage during the show during the show so I had so I got another slew of responsibilities and stuff that I would have never done you know um but it was awesome because I got to break down uh the side tent (laughs) the changeover tent yeah those dancers were were super fun as well yes we had a lot of fun in that tent between Tommy and Nick Well, Tommy and Nick, well, it was Tommy and Nick, right? Oh, do you remember the Jägermeister machine that yes. used to have inside that yes. tent? I remember yes. one time, well, I, I used to, I used to go in there, like during the intermission, that's where Tommy would be, you know, yes. he wouldn't leave the stage because there was an intermission halfway through the set. And I would go in there and Tommy had a Jägermeister machine plugged in that chills the Jägermeister. And he was like, bro, come on, bro, you got to do a shot with me. And I go, Tommy, no, man, I can't, I'm working. You know, and after saying no, like 15 times, one time he goes, you're drinking. And I went, no, 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 no. And I left the tent. He chased me down. I he, remember. Ta- he tackled me on the stage, threw me in my back, turned a bottle of Jägermeister over my head and is pouring yeah. Jägermeister all over my face, all over my mouth. It's going in my nose. It's going in my mouth. It's, <laughs> yeah. going, it's going everywhere. So, so yes, I drank with Tommy that night. <laughs> He, he did that quite often. And I think there was actually one night when I ran out of the tent and I'm like, don't go in there. He is, he's, he's putting people in headlocks, forcing them to drink, you know? Oh, I know. Oh, do you remember the night uh, he got burned with the pyro? Were you on that type part of the tour where he got burned? Um, you know, I thought I had a good memory of that tour, but when I listened to your story or your podcast with Todd Fox the other day, I was completely forgot Todd's episode, but I was there for that as well. So I recall the burning, but I not a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was the one show where uh, he was doing his flying drum gag. Remember, he used to have the drums that would fly over mm-hmm. the audience, and he would fly up in the air, and then he would fly in between the two drum sets that were in the air and, and play and bang around, and and at the very end, it, it would it would end with this big pyro burst. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Pyro's fault, but I think Tommy was somewhere where he wasn't supposed to be and, sure. and he got burned and he came down, he tried playing a couple more songs and, but he was burned pretty bad. We had to send him to the hospital and we had to cancel the rest of the show. Yeah. Do you remember what city that was in? I, it was, you know what? You probably weren't there because it was in a tertiary market. Okay. Yeah. Like, like we did on that tour, we went through every A market twice and yeah. we went through the tertiary markets at the end. So yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the tertiary market. So you, you, yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. But that thing went around the world, you know, that we would, yeah. we went to Japan, we went to Australia, we went all over Europe. We went, you know, all over the States like four times. That first leg or that first part, it was so, it was so good to see rock music in that time. I think everything was so serious then, you know what I mean? Like, not that I didn't love it, but that was when Radiohead and other certain bands were popular, which I love Radiohead, but I'm just saying that like music wasn't like how Motley was and it was just fun, you know? So it was nice to see, but. I maybe they sat, maybe they saturated the market a little bit too much after that. Well, you used to set up in the office with Kim and I, and I remember 
was it Amnesiac that came out of that tour or was it the one before that? Was it Kid A? But I remember when it came out and we were all just listening to it in the office for, for weeks on end. Yeah, that Weeks, was, constant. I, I yeah. I remember that. But yeah, that was a, a, a super, super fun tour. You know, yes. lots of lots of not only Tommy hijinks, but we, we had a blast on that one. And of yes. course, we, we can't talk about that tour without talking about John Spink. Yes, the best. John Spink. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember meeting him, John Spink, who was the who handled the merch. And, and I know yeah. you, you guys were very close. And I remember the first time I met John Spink was the first show of the tour, which was in Puerto Rico, in San Juan, yes. Puerto Rico. Do you remember that? Uh-huh. And yes, then, I do. And, and, and John was wearing a safari outfit of some sort. <laughs> he, he looked like da- he, he looked like David Niven in a in a in a in a, in a, in a film a safari movie or something. It was it was pretty funny. But yeah, John Spink, what a what a legend he is, huh? He is, and he's now since retired. Yeah, I know. He's uh, you know, I'm old, but he's older than me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so so yeah, I remember when you you left the Motley Crew eventually, the Motley Crew tour eventually. You got a, your tour manager for the used. Yes, I, I, I remember t- talking to you about that before you took that job. And uh, how did that go? It went great. I, um, I mean, I've always wanted to be a tour manager, and that really stemmed from my days as a promoter rep. Um, after I graduated from college, I spent a couple of years as a promoter rep. And we used to buy our shows from Cellar Door. Um, so there were no women around, you know, like zero. And, and I was just like, man, I would really love to be a tour manager, you know? So um, I just kept trucking along trying to kind of find a, my path really. And then I worked for the used. And when I first worked for them, I was like a band assistant slash tour assistant. And um, I got the hang of it, of what a tour manager does. And then, gosh, when the time came, they offered it to me. And I was, gosh, so exhilarated, you know, because it was, I was just pleasantly surprised that four boys would want me as their tour manager but um but you know what that's been my whole entire career <laughs> four boys <laughs> and maybe that stems from the fact that I have five brothers <laughs> oh there you go yes you go. so um it was great uh it was a lot of fun that was kind of the height of their career um if you go back to listen to their old albums so good so good they were like a warped tour band weren't they they were they were a warped tour band john reese managed them and then they kind of started their own it was kind of like the winter warped which was taste of chaos Mm -hmm. and um um another it was i think you know kevin lyman production type thing and um and yeah they did really well in that emo rock um genre they were on the forefront of that you know i think right i I also remember you were telling me a story how you were trapped on an island with billy corgan oh (laughs) you were were you pa for for billy corgan for a while i did do the smashing pumpkins in 2010 
I'm um, sorry, 2008, early 2008. Okay. And um, we had a break um, between two legs, between a European leg and the Australian leg. And um, Billy came up to me one day and said, um, do you want to go some, instead of going home, do you want to go somewhere with me and like help me get around whatever? And I said, sure. He's like, I'm like, where? And he's like, what about Vietnam? And being Vietnamese and never have been to my homeland, I instinctively said yes. Oh, wow. So, so what um, were you doing on the tour beforehand? Were you, were you, were you a production assistant? What were you doing? On Pumpkins? Yeah. I, well, um, I was hired as the band assistant that did wardrobe, but I have never done wardrobe. And I did not know that I was doing wardrobe until the load-in in Prague where I was sitting there. And this guy came up to me and said, there's your wardrobe cases. And I said, oh, I don't do wardrobe, I'm band assistant. And he was like, that does wardrobe. And uh, I called Doug Goodman who hired me. I love Doug. I'm like, Doug, am I doing wardrobe? And he's like, oh, did I forget to, forget to mention that? And I was like, Doug, I've never done wardrobe. I don't know the first thing about wardrobe. Well, you, what you know about wardrobe is you give the dirty laundry to the runner. That's what you know Right. But then I was like, <laughs> but of course, you know, it's Billy Corgan. So he has like a $19,000 skirt, you know, <laughs> that I can't wash. And I don't have, uh, you know, I only have one of. Uh, I did a lot of crying on that tour. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you know, yeah, I, I worked. I worked for the Pumpkins a couple of years ago. I don't know if yes. you heard about that, but you know, I, you know, he's an interesting guy. But I have a ton of respect for him because he's focused. Yeah, he's very hardworking. You know, they're very well rehearsed. I mean, probably yeah. whether you like the Smashing Pumpkins or not, which I do, I like the Smashing Pumpkins a lot. They're, they could quite possibly be the best live band I've ever worked for. I mean, they are sharp as a tack. They play incredibly well. You know, and Billy, you know what? You know what? I don't need to make friends with him. You know, I got along with him great. I think he got along with me great. He's yeah. just one of those guys. And I've, I've said this before enough. I may have repeated it on this podcast before, but he's the guy that he would rather stick a red hot burning fork in his own eye than compliment you. Oh yeah. You know, he's just, it's just, For sure. that would, that would be, you know, it's, it's like unheard of yes. to, to say well done or thank you or whatever, you know, he's just, he's just not that guy. And you know yeah. what? And I'm so okay with it. I'm so okay with it. Cause I always say, you know what my pat on the back is my paycheck being on time. Sure. You know, that's, yeah. you know, that's the thank you. That's the, that's the attaboy, the paycheck yeah. being on time. And, and, uh, and that was with the pumpkins. They paid well. And I was happy to be there, you know, and of course, working with Doug. I mean, who doesn't like working with Doug? Uh, right, exactly. I'm sure yeah, you didn't right. talk baseball with Doug as much as I did, though. <laughs> no, I did not talk baseball with him. I just talked about his sweet habit, his eating habits. Oh, I know. He's still that bad. Okay, so, yes. so you went, so were you able to see Vietnam that one time you went there or were you kind of stuck? I was, I was working. So obviously, like, you know, I had, you know, it was hard to be in a city where you have family you've never met before or family that you had met and you couldn't really see them. Um, but, you know, I also 
we also stayed at a luxury resort called uh, Seven Senses. So it wasn't like I would go there normally with my family. You know what I mean? So um, a couple, I think a year or two later, I went with my family, including my dad and some of my really good friends. So you speak that made up, that made up right? You're, you're fluent. I wouldn't what say else? fluent. I can get by. Oh, okay. um, I can't read or write, but um, apparently like kind of like Barcelona, there's like um, an accent to the, from the town that I'm in. I'm from a town called Way, H-U-E. And um, so when I speak Vietnamese, I speak with a Way accent, but I also speak with an American accent because I'm American. Um, so the times that I've gone there, a lot of people like kind of giggle when I start talking because they realize I'm from Way and they realize I'm American. <laughs> what is the, is the Way accent? Is that, I mean, why would they uh, I laugh? Think, I think it's like inflections and um, not, it's, that's not what normal Vietnamese sounds like, I guess. I don't know. Right, right, right. But, um, it's, the, it's the Belgian Vietnamese I guess. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yes. Who knows? Okay. So, all right. So we, we've, you know, we, you know, cause you and I have a very similar path. You know, we, we kind of oh. started very simply. You worked in a club. I worked in a club. We started simply and, you know, and I, and I, I think there's a lot to somebody who starts at, you know, do I dare say the bottom and work their yeah. way up to the top because there's a lot of people that are on the fat, that are fast tracked to do yes. what we do, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of merit in, in starting again, like I say, at the bottom and, 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 sure. and, and kind of learning everything on the way up. And, uh, you know, I think it adds, it builds character, you know, and, you know, you, 100%. It, it, it helps with your problem solving, you know, all, all these things. So, you know, so, so, all right. So you've merch, VIP, production assistant, um, and then when did you, when did you meet, uh, Bill Leabody? Cause I know you well, were his PA on the Dixie Chicks or tell, tell, me, tell me that story. I met Bill Leabody in 2003. I was his production assistant on the Dixie Chicks, which was, and that tour was the tour, um, after Natalie's comment. So, um, so I got comment? hired the comment where she said that she was ashamed that, or they were ashamed that Bush was from the state of Texas. Um, And so, and I was hired that week that she made that comment. And as you know, you know, shit hit the fan for them, so to speak, in terms of the censorship that they got from country radio. But in all actuality, I think it really boosted them because people really didn't think of them as country anymore. You know, they were kind of like pop country. Um, right. But that was a big tour. And I think that was the biggest tour of that year, maybe. Um, it was great. And that was my, my biggest production coordinator slash assistant job to okay. date. So that was after Beck and before Molly Crew then? Correct. Oh, okay. 2000, I got my time 2003. Okay. Yes, 2003. Um, and then, and then I didn't see Bill again, really until 2012. Okay. So 10 years yeah. later. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. But, but that, that's your introductory into Coldplay? I, no, no, no. I started with Coldplay in 2008. 
which was the okay, year that so you were you also up for it. Correct. Okay. So you were in co working for Coldplay before Bill. Gotcha. Correct. It's correct. So in 2008, um, funny enough, I actually, Nick Kua had gotten me an interview with Roger Davies because Tina was about to go out. And so I guess at the time, Roger was looking for an assistant. And then after the Tina tour to open up an LA office, because as you know, his office is in Australia. So Nick Kua got me this interview. I went, I went and met um, Roger and I got hired, but the tour didn't start until September. So they're, they're like, are you okay with not working for the summer? And I'm like, oh my God, it's the first summer I've had off in years. I would love to have the summer off and then go out on Tina. And then in May of 2008, a guy named Craig Finley called me and asked me if I was available. And I said, sure. I said, kind of. And he was like, well, um, apparently Craig Finley at the time, he was production managing Coldplay. And he called Jimmy Petbato and said, who are your favorite production girls? Oh, wow. And again, thankful for Jimmy. Jimmy said well, I was one of the girls he recommended. So Finn asked for my resume. And then like normal, per normal, you don't hear from somebody for like a month, right? After they ask for your resume or they ask if you're available. Oh, I, I hate that. that. That dance or that movie we all see. And in a normal atmosphere, I would have let it go. I wouldn't have reached back out, but something inside me was like, I want this. So I emailed him and I said, Finn, I don't know if this opportunity has come and gone, but if it hasn't, I'm really interested and I would love the opportunity to work with you. And he replied back immediately and he said, I'm sorry, I've been so busy. Yes, it's still available, you're in the running, but in the meantime, send me your passport, I'm gonna get you a UK visa. And I said, okay. And then two days later, he called me and he's like, can you get on a plane tomorrow or like in a few days? And I was like, oh shit. So I called Nick Kua and I said to Nick, hey, I just got offered Coldplay. And he's like, when does it start? And I'm like, this week. And he said, you know what? Take it. He's like, I'll speak to Roger. Don't worry. Like, you know, you can't pass up on this. Yeah. And it's I'm like, are you Yeah. And I'm like, are you sure? I feel really terrible. And God, the trajectory of my life would have been so different, you know, no. but, um, well, imagine, so I took it. well, imagine if I got the Coldplay gig and, and <laughs> I would have been here. <laughs> yes. You I wouldn't be the be tour here. manager for Coldplay right now. Correct. Correct. And you've said that to me in the past. You're like, Oh, I'm so glad you didn't get Coldplay. I'm so glad you didn't get Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, your loss was to my benefit for sure. So yeah, I, I went and did Coldplay. Um, that was a Viva La Vida tour, which was awesome. And yeah. I remember the first day of rehearsals when I heard the scientists, I was like, it's not going to suck to hear this every day. Um, and then, uh, you know, since then, I've obviously I've seen Nikua around, and I think the first time I saw him, I went up to him, and he just like gave me the biggest bear hug, and he was like, "Look, what you done," you know, and he's like, yeah. "See," so 
Yeah, I, I worked with Nick's son on something. I think he works for a management company. I forgot his name. Max, I think his name is. Max Kua. He was working for... Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, he works for a, an artist uh, in management. And they were a support act that I, that I used on a tour recently. So I'm not, I, don't, I don't remember enough to keep talking about right, it. But right. I remember him being cool. And yeah, Nick, Nick's a class guy, man. Yeah, class guy. He's, he's always been very kind and very sweet to me anytime I saw him. So, so yeah, if it wasn't for Nick telling me to take it, then I obviously wouldn't be where I am either. But Right. So, yeah. Okay, so that was uh, the Viva La Vida tour. 2008 to 2010. Okay. And then that tour ends. And that tour what, ends. What did you do? Um, I went to in, I went to go do my chem, my chemical oh, romance right. I remember that. after yeah. that. And then, um, and then at the end of my chem is when Coldplay came back into my life. Right. And that's when Finn decided he wanted to stage manage. Yes. And well, then, how, how'd that, interim, that whole transition go? Because I know it went from Finn to Bill and... and well, it went from stage. Finn and then Finn left to go do something else. Oh, I'm sorry. So also after Viva La Vida, I went and did the Lilith Fair with Finn. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the, the comeback of the Lilith Fair. So... Um, so anyways, after Finn left, another production manager came in named Wob Roberts. Yeah, Wob Roberts was there for yes. me. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Wob Roberts came in, and then when Wob exited, then that's when Bill came in. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And I'm sure Bill was happy to have you. Well, I wasn't – at that moment – that was when there was a bit of a restructure happening in the camp. And so I had come back in the role as the production coordinator, but then um, they were looking for a new tour manager and um, I think people were calling as they do when that position is available, you know, and um because Franksy Franksy was was Franksy the tour manager on Viva? Correct. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. So okay. He was. So when that position was vacant, um, there was conversations, and I think there was one day where someone said to me, "Why don't you do it?" Wasn't that me? <laughs> and I was like, I believe um, I told you, you should go for it. I remember, yes. I remember, I'm like, you need to eat that gig is yours. You need to go and take. You did. You did. Thank you. But I, um, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And um, someone that I work with kind of pushed me. So I, I sent a message to Dave Holmes, the manager that I would be interested in it. And then I think a couple of days later, he called me and he was like, so I spoke to Chris and uh, yeah, it's going to be you. And I was like, pardon? <laughs> what? And he was like, you're going to be the new tour manager. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, let's talk about it later. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And there you awesome. are. And that was <laughs> almost 10 years ago. 
Yes. That was 2000 and uh, that was like the end of 2011, the beginning of 2012. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And, yeah. And they've kept you very busy. You're, yes. Like, you know, when, when that, you know, it's like me with Roger, when they call you go, you know, yes. that's, that's, yeah. they are, they've been very kind to me. Um, and they're great people to work for. And right. they've been big supporters of my career. Um, and, you know, they're definitely my bread and butter. Yeah. I, I, you know, I like Dave Holmes. You know, when I went down an interview for Coldplay way back when, 2008, whenever that was, and I spent some time with him in the office and we had a great conversation. And, you know, and when, when, he, when I didn't get the job, he called me and he goes, hey, man, I, I, I know you're obviously qualified. I know you can do this job, but, you know, I, I've got to go with the guy I know. You know, I've got yeah. to go with the guy. And I was like, hey. Thank God. <laughs> I totally <laughs> Thank goodness for you. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's just get back to the Dave Holmes is a cool guy part. Okay. Yes. Dave Holmes okay. is a very cool guy. Yes. I'm, I'm and he's yeah. also been a big champion of my career. And I also wouldn't be where I am without his support. Because right. you so. also, you, you know, it's not just Coldplay. If Chris does something, you know, you're, 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 you're pretty much, you know, you're pretty much the, the, the key go-to person for everything they do, Chris or Coldplay, right? You know, I, I just, I, I call it like, like recording is not a part of my CP towers. I'm more of the touring side. And um, if there's an instrument in hand, a microphone or a piano or a guitar, then yes. But normally with recording, I'm not involved. There's, there's, there's a division divided line of that, you know, right. in our camp. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's a lot, a lot of respect goes out, you know, to those guys, you know, for how they see things. And, you know, they're, they're kind of ambassadors in a lot of way, in a lot of ways uh, for sustainability. And Bill Leabody and I talked about this, ex, ex, you know, almost extensively about, uh, you know, their, you know, the way they see things, you know, and yeah. uh, that's, it's really admirable. Is there, how about, how about on the, on the, on the band end, as far as maybe in the future, are you guys, going to be trying to do anything different, you know, when it comes to, or is there, are you, as far as travel or whatnot, are you, are you working on ways to become more sustainability on, on, on the band side? I think there's, I mean, we all as a team, and I think as an industry have spent quality time the last year in trying to figure that out and what's the right path for all of us. Um, I mean, as you know, on my end of things, I don't really start get busy until there's maybe a set of dates in place, you know, mm -hmm. but for sure, like, um, yes, I think anything that we can do to be green um, for ourselves and for the environment is what's gonna happen. Um, I mean, you're a moving city. You're like a tornado that comes in and comes out, you know, mm -hmm. and- how big, how big is the artist party? How many people? Oh, we are slim though. Comparatively, I, I think I know because I've had other people come out and hang out and see. But we're we're less than twenty band party. That's uh, still still a big, you know, for for only four guys on stage. That's still that's still a lot of people. Really? I mean, I there might be another band who might be twice that size in band party. So, um, yeah. but no, I think I think we're pretty slim. Yeah. But you know. We like to keep it that way. Yeah, you, you just did a you just did a performance with Chris at the Grammys, right? Yes, Grammy just the Grammys performance, yeah, the in memoriam with Brittany Howard. 
you it was pre-recorded right yeah it was pre-recorded all <laughs> of the performances were pre-recorded um but i think that they did a good job in in the editing and sequencing it out you know especially in this current time it's hard because we're used to seeing shows a certain way you know and so it's like how can you do it without it making it look like bland right right i mean i, I really wonder how you know a high profile person like chris martin i mean he you can't just get on a train. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 going to be interesting to see how how they they correct it. You know, I, I know they came out and they made a statement that says we're 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 you know we're not going to tour again until we can be carbon neutral. Um, that's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to do. I know. I know we it can make. Hard. I know we can make substantial changes, but you know, it's it's more of an industry wide thing. Because yes. if, if 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 Coldplay doesn't tour doesn't change anything. It's just one band, you know, it's, 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 we've, we've all got to do something, you know, yeah. one band not working means nothing to our total carbon footprint. You know, I think yeah. we all need to, as tour managers and production managers need to be like-minded, you know, almost, almost have like a, a code that we all have to follow. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a lot of sustainability, Zoom calls and conferences and all these things going on. And, you know, and I, I, I'm in on most of them, if not all of them. We just did one the other day uh, with uh, TPA about catering and we had uh-huh. caterers on talking about how they can be more sustainable and, and what ideas they may have. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk about power. How can we, how can we power, power show, you know, batteries, yeah. hyd- hydrogen. I mean, wh- what, what can we do? Um, Keely Myers and I were talking recently and we were how the, how the O2, the venue, the O2 is going to, you know, install wind turbines, which I wow. think is interesting. Um, you know, so I don't know. I, I, I would love to be able to get a, a snapshot of 20 years down the road. You know, sure. what, is, what is everything going to look like? You know, or, you know, there's that one crazy person with a, with a, with a fossil crazy fuel idea. car, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but uh I don't know. We have to, we have to, we have to figure stuff out, you know, and I, 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 know, sure. I know on your end, I know, cause you're, it's kind of driven from the top on your end to, yeah. to think about things, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, any, any great ideas you have <laughs> or come up with, I'd be, I'd be happy to, to, you know, to get in on it, you know, cause I, you know, I'm going to be pushing the artists I work for to yeah. be, to be green, you know? I mean, you, it's, it's also what's available to us, right? I don't even know if there's, things out on the market that are available to to us in the capacity of what we're doing, right. which I think is a challenge, but it doesn't mean that it's not possible. I mean, we did, we did a private for uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio foundation LDF, and he had water jugs everywhere. There wasn't one plastic water bottle there. Um, and there was no trash cans. And there was a table and a guy standing at that table and you would literally bring him your trash, whether it's paper or the meal you just had, and he would separate it. And, and it was a whole weekend of that. So, you know, I mean, we're on a much larger scale, but you know, you know, it's hard to, to do an afternoon without bottled water somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they're, the last few tours I've been on, we've been doing the five-gallon jugs with the pumps. 
Yeah. We, we just supply everybody with a water bottle. Water bottle. But, but, yeah. you know, what's coming next is, you know, we talked about it recently on another podcast. People are going to have their own bowls and cutlery, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a thing and you, and you walk away and you watch it yourself. And, and it's just, I can see it. I can see yeah. it. You know, your, yeah. you know, your, 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 your water bottle is also a coffee mug or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I and mean, it's, it's you, you know, and, and soda fountains instead of cans, you know, I mean, but I don't know. Uh, I, I will do my best to help caterers along the way, you know, and, and yeah. we keep, ta- we keep talking about meal numbers. We need to be smarter with our meal numbers, you know? Yeah. Okay. Speaking of meals and meal numbers, I think, our friendship basically stems upon our great love for food. Yes. You and I have had, uh, gosh, countless epic meals together. And, and I think if I had to say, if someone, if someone brought up your name, I'd say, what's my favorite thing about her? I'm going to say, she's an eater. She yeah. loves food as much <laughs> as I do, you know. And, and uh, I, I, you know, you're the kind of person that like gets giggly when you're talking about what restaurant you're going to. You know, I mean, I'm the same way. I'm so excited about, about finding good places to eat. Oh my God, I say all the time while I'm eating what I'm thinking about eating next. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's probably when people ask me what my favorite thing about touring, I mean, the obvious, but I, I have to say it's, it's the food. It is being in a city and walking down some street and discovering some amazing restaurant, you know, mm-hmm. and then you always go back to that one restaurant in Copenhagen or wherever and um, I think I, I think in every town, I know where the good Vietnamese spot is. Every right. town I've ever been in, I know where there's some good food to be had. So, um, so yeah, that's definitely my favorite uh, is well, food. Uh, last time you and I had Vietnamese together, I think it was in Chicago. At, yes. Uh, what do they call that place? La the, Colonial. La Colonial. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's very much like French Vietnamese, you know, like, you know. French, Yeah. <clears throat> colonial as in colonized unfortunately but. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes okay so I, li- I live in new orleans as you know and which yes. there's a massive vietnamese population here yes. what do you where would you eat vietnamese in, in new orleans do you do you have a place gosh you know it's so weird i haven't been to new orleans in ages um and i don't ever remember being in a place where I could find the Vietnamese restaurant in New Orleans. But I think that there's, I believe that they're on the other side of town with, well, I mean, obviously the, away the from West the French Bank. Quarter. Yes. The West Bank, yeah. Because that, well, you know, the a Vietnamese population came to New Orleans in the 70s for the yeah. shrimp trade. Yes. And, uh, and, you know, that's where they lived. And There's uh, a really good bun mi shop over there. I believe. Oh, banh mi, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes. You can get a good banh mi. You know, there's, there's a restaurant in my neighborhood that does a, a tofu banh mi. I've not had it Yum. yet. I'm, I'm interested in, in trying it. But you know, with banh mi, it's not necessarily about the meat or, or the protein. It's about... It's the bread. It's the bread. It's the acid. It's the it's it's all that stuff that really... The pate, yeah. It makes it what it is, you know, the pickled yeah. bits. You know, God, food. Yeah, <laughs> sheesh. What was the restaurant we went to in London? Um, what's that really ball in Japanese place we went to last time I saw you in London? Um, not far from. Was it, it Zuma? Might have been Zuma. Yeah. Was it Zuma? Yeah. No, we went to Zuma last there. I saw remember you, that. Yes. Remember that uh, 
that that dish of the it's kind of like chopped up uh, hamachi and it has a little the, rake with it and you like you a hamachi eat. tartare the hamachi tartare, tartare that was like a rake yes yeah with a little they get the, the you eat it with a little rake <laughs> yes you eat it with a little rake oh uh, yes. so good so good oh man we could have we could just do a food podcast why don't you and i just start a food podcast I would be in. You know, why don't, why don't, why don't, why don't we just do that? It can, it can air, you know, whenever we can get together, whenever we can do it, we'll talk about uh, where we are in the world and, and what sure. we ate. Just, I'm sure. I think everyone we know will be lined up to participate. Oh, and yeah. Listen. oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the food, the food and wine squad. Yes. Okay. Yes. So. All right. This is the question, Matt, and I like to ask everybody, you know, it's, it's 2021. It's much almost April 1st. Um, how do you see this year? What do you, do you think you're going to work this year? What do you got going on? Um, well, I have worked this year. Thankfully I had the opportunity to do the Super Bowl, and, um, I just did the Grammys as we spoke about earlier, but yes, I do think there's going to be shows this year. Um, it'll be festivals and one-offs, but touring, no. I don't think, th- yeah, I think, think we're so. a little too young for that. No, I don't think so. Not even September, it, October, November? No. Um, maybe not in the capacity that maybe we're used to. I don't know. Maybe if, you know, if listen, if it's going to be five cities and that's a tour, then yes, 100%, that could probably happen. Um, but where you're probably gone for a while, you know, right, where you right, do right. have your big suitcase and not the not a weekender. Um, what I'm scared of, though, is that gosh, everyone's going to go out in 2022, and there's just going to be it's too much traffic, saturation station. Just, you know, it, so you know, Matt and I have already discussed this with other people. There's you know, there's four and five holds on every arena next year. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, we can't, the ticket buying audience can't buy that many tickets, you know, right. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be whoever goes on sale first, those who yeah. go on sale first will do well. Yeah. And, and luck, and luckily for, for myself and Roger Waters, we're, you know, we're rescheduling our tour for next year, 2022 summer, but 60% of the tickets are already sold. Okay, so you guys so, didn't cancel. So you guys kept your tickets. We didn't cancel, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure some people ask for their money back, and you know, but you know, it's it's a it's a, the finish line's a lot easier than somebody starting from scratch and trying to sure. put tickets on sale in, in early 2022 and, and trying yeah. to get there. <clears throat> so you don't uh, you don't think we work, huh? I mean, no, I think we're gonna work. I'm, I'm happy to work when someone emails me. I'm like, Oh my God, what can I do? What do you need? I'm there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, I, I, I love my inbox being as full as possible because yeah. it was pretty empty for a while. So, um, no, we're going to work. I just don't, I think we all want to work. <laughs> so, yeah. And I don't think that's going to happen until 22, mm. 2022. And, Safely, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I people talk about safely. This uh, we're not working with COVID. We need no. to wait for hu- herd immunity. You know, and yeah, uh, you know, and unless one of the variants can pierce the armor of, of vaccination, uh-huh. you know, we're we're gonna have herd immunity by the summer. We we're yeah. just, we just are in North America. 
and you know sporting will be first you know baseball stadiums are gonna get filled first and then in the yeah. autumn you know football and you know basketball hockey all that stuff and you know that will be you know that is the plow paving yes. you know cutting through the snow in front of us you know where where, where we just have to wait for that to happen yeah and we just kind of follow <clears throat> but you know i'm I'm talking to people about tours September, October, November, and I'm I'm holding out hope that they could happen. Okay. Now, now the one thing that would be, a, you know, the wrench in the gears there is not being able to play to full capacities. Sure. Because as you know, the shows we work for need a full capacity to pay for it. Yeah. You, know, you can't do a sixty percent capacity because you know that no. pays for the labor and the catering, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody, nobody, you know, so that's the one thing that I'm, you know, would be concerned about other than any variant going, going crazy would be, uh, you know, limited capacities. Sure. Yes. That is a wrench in our industry is the limited capacities. You know, we just can't function like that. Yeah. But, you know, festivals, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think you're right there. I think, uh, you know, two bands that are maybe in kind of in the same vein might try to do something together. But yeah. I, I don't know. A, a festival, you, you can't plan a festival and do it three weeks later. You know, I mean, the, the, if of a festival is going to happen this year, it needs to be on the books now, starting with getting a permit, you know. Well, Life is Beautiful is happening. That's in Vegas? It's in Vegas. It's in September. It's uh three days you know billy eilish and green day like and i think it sold out in record time um but i think that would be one of the first big big shows if it happens right. not that I, I i don't know what else might be on the books but that's at least that's what's out there and has sold oh, okay Is previous there... to the lineup yeah, Reading yeah, and Leeds is trying to do Reading oh, and right. Leeds. You know? uh, but, you know, that's Blastenberg, in September as well, Blastenberg's right? Blastenberg's canceled. Coachella's canceled. Uh, I don't know when Reading and Leeds is. You know, I, I was speaking with okay. Keely Myers about that recently, and we, we couldn't come up with one that was. You know, but who knows? You know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm ready to do anything. You know, I, yes. I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was a work snob for the longest time where it's <laughs> I'm not working for you for that money. <laughs> well, you know, now I'm like, you know, sheesh, I'll, I'll, I'll fucking drive a bus. <laughs> yes, exactly. You need me to get coffee? I'll get coffee. Yeah, yeah for I, sure. I, remember I told Malcolm Weldon that I'd be his oxygen person for Aerosmith if I needed to. I mean, you know, whatever, you know. Oh, I, just, I, I loved just, that podcast uh, with Malcolm. Uh, yeah, he's, he's so funny. He's the he best. Was, he was so funny. Oh my he God. was, um, he has been our site coordinator for a, a couple tours and he would just like run by my office wheeling a case and being like, Hey, <laughs> like, so well, sweet. He's just a guy pushing a box. That's yes. what it says on all his emails. Yep. Malcolm Weldon, just a guy pushing a box. Yes. You he's know, a and, sweet man. Yeah, he is. He is. He is yeah. We had, yeah, our, our history is pretty funny. If you listen to that podcast, it was, it was, it was, I it did was listen good. to it. Yeah. It was good. Oh boy. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, I mean, do, do you find that there's going to be any kind of dynamic between, 
you know, this time you've had off and then going back to work again? I mean, do you, oh, do you, find, for sure. do you find that uh, you've got comfortable or, or that there's a, a lifestyle that you're going to miss or, you know, for, for me, it's all the extra sleep that, that I'm getting now. Yeah. My fitness. What, what is it for you? Well, I think majority of people's number one problem when they go back to work is the pace at which we normally work at. Like you got to get back up there. I mean, when I went to do Super Bowl, my first day on site, I walked 19,000 steps and my feet were throbbing at the end of the night. Like, I, I mean, Super Bowl is already a hard show to do, period. I always say it's the hardest you ever work for 12 minutes of your life. But then you have this COVID layer and it was even tougher. And um, right. yeah, I am, I am, you know, I never have a problem with long show days or touring days, you know, like, I don't know if I could ever, I've done the movie set thing or the TV set thing. And I just found it for me boring, but like show days for me are, is exciting. I, you know, maybe it's because my regular show day is someone has been saving up their money to come to this event or, you know what I mean? There's like this energy in the air. So you're kind of pumped for it. Um, you know, to this day, when I see confetti, I smile. So, and I always go out to look at it. But oh, um, and, you, and you guys know confetti. Does know anybody confetti. know confetti more than Coldplay? Oh, my goodness. No, confetti. <laughs> we are the kings of confetti. Do you, but, have, um, you, have you ever found confetti in your home? Yes, oh, I me have. Too. I have found confetti in my home. I have gone to the bathroom and taken my pants down and looked down, and there's confetti in the toilet. I don't know how it got there, but like, there's, yeah, confetti everywhere. I find it, I find it like if I did a tour that had a lot of confetti and and, and the tours are over and I go home, I'll, I'll like look in my closet and there's confetti on the floor in my closet. Yes. <laughs> how did that confetti get Confetti everywhere. I think I loaded into a venue once and during that load in, a Coldplay confetti fell down and I was like, what are the odds of that happening for like a completely different show, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I think it's the pace at which we work. I think we're normally used to 14, 20 hour days and two, three hours sleep. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm normally asleep by like 9 PM sometimes now. Oh, really? You know, I, I, yeah. I, I get in bed around 10 and I read and, yeah. you know, and then I, you know, I get up in the morning and I read, it's just, you know, the, the, the lifestyle <laughs> is just so I can't tell if I'm content or bored or both. Uh, I don't yeah. know, but, you know, I, I but I'm, I'm doing a gig next month with the black keys. Oh, great. You know, we're doing a, we're doing a, we're doing a pay-per-view at uh, some boxing event, and uh, you know, I'm doing phone calls and I'm doing emails and I'm, I'm doing spreadsheets. And it's just kind of like, wow, you know, I actually, I'm actually, whenever I start working on it, like oh, I get excited. Oh yeah. Um, like, uh, you know, I'll overdo the spreadsheet. There's way too oh, much yes. color coding and whatnot. Because yeah. <laughs> this was just way too much uh, burning it to the ground, you know, but uh, just, just the idea of doing a show and it's simple. It's a big, not a big yeah. one, four to four songs, but you know, you know, just the whole idea of, you know, getting the gang back together and, yeah. you know, do you, do you, do you, I don't know what Vegas is like. Do you, are you going to restaurants or are you? Do Vegas they, do they, has, well, Vegas is open. I wouldn't say it's wide open, but restaurants have been open since May. 
So I, since last May, 2020, so I've been going to restaurants since then. And we try to eat outdoors as much as possible, but sometimes we eat indoors. But I remember the first restaurant meal I had, it was this amazing, amazing Korean barbecue. And I think I cried, you know, (laughs) because I was just like, this is delicious. Because, you know, I mean, I love cooking, I love food, but I'm really sick of eating my cooking. You know, like I, the whole thing, I think my love for food is about exploring um, other people's cooking. And um, so, yeah, no, we're, we're pretty much wide open. And I think that they just raise the capacities for indoor eating. And I believe if you want to have a convention here, don't quote me on this, but you just apply and then they tell you how many patrons you can have at the convention. So gotcha. I, I think I, I, I have had conversations with people who think that maybe Vegas will be one of the first cities to come back in that capacity because right. they can, you know. How was the state doing? Because, you know, I remember at the top of the podcast, I was talk, uh, telling Matt about Louisiana and how it's yellow and it's steady. What, what, what is Nevada? Um, I think, well, I think there's a steady rise in vaccination numbers and then a steady decline in right. infectious numbers. But, um, but I think that, you know, I think people, I think this is such a hospitality driven city that I think that people are just really pushing to be out there, you know, and, um, and I don't know, people are, I have, I don't go down to the strip, so I don't know, but I just remember right. going to Florida for the Super Bowl and not seeing anybody wear a mask on. And I just thought it was just like being in the twilight zone because nobody was wearing masks on. I think that people were looking at me because I had a mask on. Um, so yeah, the state, the state's doing great in terms of that. I mean, are they still the number one in non-paying rent folks? I think so. Um, I think the unemployment rate is pretty high here because there's, there's, it relies on the hospitality industry, of you course, know, yeah, yeah. but there are shows coming back. A bunch of shows started last weekend. Like re- residencies? Think, uh, not residencies, but like, um, like uh, a neighbor of mine works for David Copperfield. So I heard that his show was coming back and, um, and I think, and I saw in the news that some of the Cirque shows, two of the Cirque shows were coming back. So. Well, well, David Copperfield can make COVID disappear. You know that, right? Yes. Yeah, he, he just like does a thing. And... I love magic. I can't wait to go <laughs> see it. <laughs> I went to go see a show actually in November. I went to go see um, Jabberwockies. Um, and, you know, it was hard to go see a show with such small capacities, you know? Right. Yeah, it's weird. I don't think yeah. bands would like it. No. People, people are going to wait. Everyone's going to wait. You know, herd immunity, full capacity, or, or nothing. Oh, man, when it does come back, it's going to be great. <laughs> uh, in a lot more ways than one, you know. Yes. You know, you know next, next month with this Black Keys gig, I'm even getting on a bus. What? Gonna You're not going to get on a plane? No, we're, we're going we're gonna to rehearse in, in, in Nashville and then we're going to jump okay. on the bus and, and go to Atlanta to do this gig and bus back. And Oh, nice. I'm, I'm going to get on a bus even. I'm like, I'm like, do, like doing the whole thing. Are you going, to, is there limited capacity on the bus? 
uh, well, we're, we're going to have a concierge service come in and test everybody at, at SIR in Nashville. So right. before, there's going to be 10 of us on the bus, but we'll all be tested. Right, right, right. Of course, of course. But I just didn't know if you were going to cut down on the capacity of the bus. No, no, I think we'll, no. I think we'll, we'll be fine. I, okay. I, I'm, I'm vaccinated. Have you, are, you, are, you, are you in line to get vaccinated yet? I am getting it on Friday, my first shot. What are you getting? Well, I don't get a choice. Unfortunately, but oh, usually they I tell had, you up front. Oh, they didn't, but okay. I would love a choice because I would get Moderna because that's what Fauci got. That's what I keep I saying Moderna. to everybody. Yeah, I, I, yeah Moderna, I, I've got both shots. The second, after the second one, it, it put me down for a day. I'll be honest. It did? I mean, I mean, it wasn't, I was functioning. I actually did Zoom calls and I worked and everything, but it was just kind of like, uh, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave the house. I don't want to take a shower. I just want to go back to bed, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But it was fine. Next day, totally brilliant. Okay. You know, Vegas also, you know, because I know you stay away from the Strip. I think Vegas still has great restaurants away from the Strip. You know, I, have to, I wish I could remember because Jerome, Brett, and I went to this place on a day off in Vegas on tool a couple of years ago or a couple of years ago, listen to me a year ago or so. And I forgot the name of it, but it was so good. It was what so kind of good. food was it? It was kind of uh, kind of American cooking kind of. Okay. Oh, I know what it was. It was Esther's kitchen. Esther's kitchen is exactly. Yes. What it was. <laughs> it was, do you go there? I've never been, but Jerome has told me about that restaurant. So, oh, it was so no, good. I haven't been, I haven't been, but I, it's on my list. But yes, you are correct. There is a lot of good food here. I mean, there is a sushi place that I am a regular at that's 10 minutes from here. I'm in the burbs and um, it is phenomenal. Yeah, you were saying it was as, as good as, as Los Angeles. Yes, I'm, I'm going to say it's better. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Is it, is it, uh, is it uh, omakase or is it just normal... It's normal. It's yeah, normal, it's, but it's it's called Nene's. Um, I think I posted about it, and Joe Battle was like, "Why are you making this information public?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just great. But the owner chef is um, he just wanted to bring good sushi out here instead of cooking on his trip to a bunch of tourists. And um, the restaurant is named after his two daughters. It's like. Nay and nay. Nay and nay. Nay nays. Oh, it's wow. great. Um, but yeah, and then I found a Thai place up the street that's not what? Lotus of Siam. It's so Oh good. yeah, Lotus of Siam. That's the world famous one. Yes, yes. That's Anthony Bourdain approved, and um, yeah. which is very good. I love it. But we found a place up here called Block 9. Uh, it's Thai street food. It's so good. So nice. yeah. Nice. Well, I'm not kidding, Matt. Matt, would you would you be interested in uh, helping Mags and I do a food podcast for Rose, <laughs> like a touring food podcast? And we'll just—I think that'd be a blast. Um, yes. Break it, you know, bust out a map, pick you know <laughs> half a dozen or eight, you know, cities or however many, and do a little food tour. Maybe you do yeah. a podcast yeah. of each city, and you. Well, it, it, it would be our touring schedule, so it would have to match. <laughs> okay. Our All right. Yes. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll call it the, the dirty napkin or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this has been an absolute blast. Thank yes. you so much for doing this with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was absolutely a lot of fun. What, 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 do you, what do you got for it, Matt? 
Oh, nothing. That, that was a total fly on the wall episode. So, but I, I love, love your story. So thank you. Um, just hearing that whole thing. And that's my favorite part of these is listening to seeing where people start and their whole, you know, the nexus, you know, of, of what they do today. And that was fantastic. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, at one or two points, I was like, I wanted, wanted to applaud just like, for you. <laughs> Damn it. Awesome. You know, so thank you. Well, you know, uh, Mags, who I call her, because Chris, Chris Martin calls her Mags. And she told me that once. And she's been Mags to me ever since. Well, Mags is the British shortening of my name. So it wasn't Chris. It was the whole entire British team okay. called me that. So I couldn't get away from it. But all, yes, all, all, all of Britain. Um, all of Britain. Yeah, but you you were you were an absolute one of our success stories, you know, absolutely, Thanks. you know, and uh, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Always good seeing you, and uh, likewise, I'll be checking in with you soon. Okay. Thanks, Thanks. Marguerite. Thanks. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you thank so you. much. Bye. Bye.